In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Jinx and I'm Brody Lancaster on vacay not a staycay no I left the state for once what a treat and um on vacation from our recording equipment on vacation from my apartment on vacation from Carol yeah I miss her already but um I'm excited to not be I mean I've brought plenty of her hair with me on all my clothes as I as I do everywhere I go (laughs) I think I've got some of her on me as we speak and I haven't seen her for a week. Oh, yeah. She leaves she leaves a mark. She's memorable in that way. Um, but, yeah, I'm in Sydney. I'm in your hometown, Jinxie. You are. How is it? Say hi to everyone for me. Hey, guys. Jinxie says hey. <laughs> um, I'm currently in a hotel room. I'm staying at the Ace. I'm not doxing myself because by the time this comes out, I will be home. <laughs> I turned 33 yesterday. My favorite Aquarian. That's me. I learned, Jinxie, that um, I don't know very much about the planets, as we've covered before, but um, my friend Laura looked at my chart and she said, holy shit, you've got a stellium of Capricorn in your 12th house. I think, okay. that's, the, I think that's the phrasing. Something to do with like four or more planets in one house is called a stellium, which sounds like a skin disease, if you ask me. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, apparently I have, like, all of my energy is uh, clumped together in one little Capricorn-y zone. And what does that mean for you? Did she say? Well, look, the weird thing is, is that it, it 
like this shit means such deep like therapy style stuff it's like if you have a lot of capricorn in your 12th house it probably means that you grew up really fast and developed independence as a child and had to parent yourself i'm like jesus christ whatever happened to star signs that were just like you're quirky and like temperamental <laughs> don't sign that check today yes. don't buy a house today yeah i mean look it's a lot cheaper than therapy yeah it's no co-star that's for sure but yeah turned 33 <laughs> my allegedly jesus year people have been mm-hmm. saying yes it um, is apparently this is the year that he r.i.p reached his end and then easter happened so i don't know what that means for any of us but it's also the year that my mum was 33 when she had me and so i you know, I kind of have been thinking I want to spend this year um, not being a mother of three um, and all of that that entails, all of the freedoms that that entails, I want to make the most of, I think, this year. I liked 33. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's so different because your birthday is such a dumb thing to say, but because your birthday is at the beginning of the year, it's like essentially yeah. just a New Year's and your birthday is almost on Lunar New Year. But yeah. my birthday is like eight months in, so mm. I'm thinking of like my of like that year rather than the year I had. But mm. it was good. I like changed jobs, uh, you know, and mm-hmm. changed careers. Actually, it was a big year. Really? Yeah. Was that when you went from designing to film programming? Yeah, I left design, like full-time design, and headed into film programming properly. And, yeah, it was, yeah, quite a lot happened that year. I think it was the first time I ever drove a Mustang, you know, like a lot happened that year. Excuse you. (laughs) Are you allowing yourself to, like, set, like, new... I don't know, goals for yourself in your 33rd year as opposed to setting goals for 2023? Are you all goals out? I think, you know what, I was about to say I'm all goals out, but I I guess I kind of do. Like I, you said a few years, a few weeks ago, sorry, on the podcast that you want to have like more fun in 2023. And I think that is something that I, you know, just, I, I guess my kind of career started to an extent when I was 23 and I'm now 33 and it feels like I have like a a lot, a lot of time has passed since then. So I guess just thinking about that and thinking, okay, the next 10 years, what are they going to look like? What am I going to do? Maybe I'll change careers. Maybe I'll finally pack in this writing ridiculousness and like start making croissants and like be a pastry chef. Who knows? Okay. Well, you can. I mean, I don't want you to pack in the writing because I need to read your next book. But, you know, pastry sounds good too. I'll be like that woman from Loon and just make croissants and then write a book about it. And tell me more about your birthday, BL, because I only saw you for a little bit of it. I had kind of like a lay low birthday this year because I knew I was coming on this little solo holiday to Sydney. Um, And I booked this in like four months ago, just thinking I needed something to look forward to. I wanted to get away and not work and just like go where the week takes me. Um, So this is day one of my little trip. And knowing that I had this coming up, I was thinking of like not even doing anything in Melbourne for my birthday, but ended up just having like a little dinner 
um, at Waxflower in Brunswick. It was all delicious. We did a really good job of some non-meat eaters, some non-seafood eaters, some gluten-free. There was like plenty, plenty of snacks to go around and a really good gin martini. Oh, really good gin martini. And that eggplant was really fantastic as Divine well. Divine little, like, chips almost. Oh, so good. I'd Spicy never been before. Little... It was delightful. Isn't it great? Yeah. That, um, I went for my birthday last year as well. And I just remember last year they made us move to, like, a different seat so that, like, a big group could sit outside where we had been sitting. And I just remember it was a crowd of, like, the quote unquote, like capital C coolest looking 20 somethings I've ever encountered en masse that were truly like 15 people who all looked like they'd spent minimum a thousand dollars on their outfits. Um, and they were all just gas bagging and hanging out. And I kept saying to my friend Sinead, I want to go over and ask them what they do for work. And she was like, you Nothing. can't, you can't do that. <laughs> And I just was like struck by this feeling of like, I need to know about the lives of these carefree young people. They're probably rich. <laughs> yeah, they probably have like a label that sells like two things to no one, but gets written about in press. <laughs> totally. And I'm not saying that like people younger than us don't do anything or don't work. Of course they do. You see these huge groups of like very well-dressed young people just with lots of disposable income yeah yeah like eating at the restaurants that I could never have afforded to eat at in my 20s just but you know like grew up in a different way yes totally I would never have ordered martinis and a dozen oysters in my 20s I guess more power to them right I mean sure (laughs) I would have liked to but yeah yeah that's I mean, true. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, but like I used to be on this list. I was talking about it with a friend recently, and maybe there was a Melbourne equivalent. This was like pre the thousands, very much pre broadsheet and concrete playground. But there used to be this email list, and it would collate all of the openings that were happening throughout Sydney and which ones had free alcohol available. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so was great so you would just turn up at these things because you were like I can't afford to buy drinks so you'd be like oh well if I go to that gallery on a Wednesday uh they'll have like you know free <laughs> free drinks Always. inside Always. and so it was great and I feel like that's how I met half my friends it was like we were always just at the same events and yeah we'd look at the art yeah. like everyone was an artist but <laughs> anyway I wonder if those exist at my birthday two years ago, uh, so this time two years ago, I just got myself in such a headspace of I need to start a new email newsletter of like things going on in Melbourne, like the thousands, but updated for like a an internet Instagram mm. generation um, because there is like no one uses Facebook anymore. We all used to say we were staying on Facebook just for the events um, but now no one, absolutely no one uses Facebook. And, oh, God, um, no. How embarrassing. And um, thank you to everyone who said happy birthday to me on Facebook yesterday. Um, <laughs> but I just got it into my head that, like, newsletters are coming back. Everyone's got a sub stack. We've, mm-hmm. got a, we've got to start a new, like, you know, classifieds kind of list. Well, that sounds great. 
I thought about it for like five days and went into the Wayback Machine to read old 3000s. And um, yeah, now it's two years later. BL, I'm not even going to ask you what you are getting up to in Sydney because I know that you have been very like, this is my time in Sydney. I don't really need the recommendations. I'm just going to work it out and have a great time. Uh, So I won't ask you about that, but I don't know. Is there anything about your journey that you would like to share? My journey, yes, is very – I'm so excited to tell you about my journey, Kate. I need to do like a tight 10 on going to the airport. Um, (laughs) I realized I haven't been on a flight since like July. And in that time, Melbourne Airport has changed a lot. So it's now like – the international terminal is now where you go to catch every flight. So first I went to check in and who did I see in the check-in area? Only Ash, the men's rights activist from 90 day fiance before the 90 days, which I just finished watching. How hideous. Yes. Saw him there with two people who I assumed to be his parents, but I literally saw him and was like, what woman are you meeting here from another country? <laughs> there were no cameras around, but you know, he's got a, he's got a history. So that was like iconic. And then I, okay. So I famously used all my flybys points to like up my status on my frequent flyer program. So I could have wandered into the lounge as soon as I got to the airport, but because I went a different way and went through security and I was fully that meme that's like I need to be the most efficient person at airport security for some reason. I was I am just 100% like, that person. I am that person too. I don't know what I think is going to happen. It's like do I think that the person's going to be like, good job, you like he's a gold star? <laughs> I'm literally watching my, <laughs> watching my bag come through and there's like a man kind of hovering near me and I said, we don't have to take our laptops out anymore. And he said, no, you don't. And I was like, oh, I didn't know. I haven't been here in months. And then proceeded to have a version of that conversation with like four more people. Mm-hmm. I was Kath and Kel from Kath and Kim when they just have that like day trip to the airport. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. You know how they like wander around and they get their um, like Kangol hats or whatever and they get their like <laughs> – fuzzy like Jenny Key jumpers that was Mm -hmm. me today where I walked in and instead of getting a coffee I was like oh my god I'm gonna go to char time and while I was waiting for my matcha I was like is there a mecca around here and the girl was like yeah there's one over there and I said I haven't been to the airport in ages she was like oh it's all changed and then (laughs) I went to mecca had the exact same conversation with a girl there got my birthday bonus and then I was like what am I going to have for breakfast? The line at Macca's is very long. The only time I ever get like McDonald's breakfast is at the airport. I went to Subway, something that I haven't had since my last birthday when I had like a decade long craving for Subway. It's the only time I eat green capsicum is when it's on a Subway sandwich. I despise Subway. Yeah, it's so bad, but it really hit the spot. That smell, I just, you say the word and I'm like, oh God, it just floods. Yeah, no. Kate, it's so popular at the airport. It's (laughs) wild. So I sat down to eat my, um, my sub and my cookies and my matcha and I picked a table because I saw that a girl sitting at the table next to me kept getting up and doing TikTok dances. Oh, great. 
so I sat down right next to them. I mean, I was behind enough that if she'd angled her camera in a specific way, I would have been in the background of some TikToks. Um, <laughs> but the best bit is that she was probably like 15 years old and truly shameless in like a way I could never be so unembarrassed to just stand up in a busy airport food court and just like do a little dance and then come over and check and then get up and do it again. And the best bit is that she was sitting at a table with a person I assumed to be her dad, like a Mm -hmm. 40 something year old guy who was either on his phone or his laptop. And she'd like silently do the dance and then sit down and silently watch it back. And he was just silently sitting across from her. I was like, this is Bo Burnham's eighth grade the play happening in front of me. It was so wild. It was so, it was so good. And then she took out a little vlogging camera and started talking to it. And I was like, okay, we've got ourselves a content creator over here. Maybe she'll be at one of the nice restaurants in a couple of years because of her YouTube money or her TikTok money. She totally will. Um, I can't wait to see her at Wax Flower and go, what do you do? <laughs> so mm-hmm. look, a, a lot of tales from my, from my, one hour, 20 minute domestic flight. <laughs> but Jinxie, tell me, tell me about um, everything going on at home. What else did you get up to on the weekend? Yes, you're besides? missed. You're mi- everyone in Melbourne keeps asking how you are, <laughs> Where what is you're she? up to. They say, Where is she? Where has she gone? Exactly. <laughs> uh, what's been happening? I've done some really Melbourne things. I guess I need to up my Melbourne game while you're away. So <laughs> like we're trading places. It's like. Freaky Friday over here. Oh, my God. It's Me, Myself, I starring Rachel Griffiths. <laughs> Your favourite movie that you can't see. A hundred percent. What are the Melbourne – what counts as a Melbourne thing that you've been doing? I went to Siracos. Oh, welcome. That's pretty good, right? Thank you. Isn't it, isn't it wonderful? Yes. Yeah, so if you are not familiar, it is a – Quite large Greek fruit and veg and liquor market mm-hmm. in Thornbury. And I'd never been and I was delighted. I was delighted with it, BL. Mm-hmm. I got some great chicory greens. I got okra. I got a lot of zucchinis. Um, I went to the liquor section and I bought those really cute Greek beers. Ooh. I love those little bottles. It was like the fix bottle, you know. Little funny tops on the top. They're really cute. I don't know why all beers don't come in these bottles. Maybe there's a patent in Greece on them, but they should <laughs> because they're much better than a normal bottle. Um, oh, yeah, the little yeah, chubby was, bottles. So cute. Um, Siracus uh, is just such a delight. The flower shop there is really great too. Yeah, and everyone has a, like, continental deli in melbourne i have found that they Mm. swear by and also that they don't usually share a lot Siracus is like game over it's huge everyone knows about it but there are like lots of little smaller delis that i am discovering and that Mm. has been a a very nice part of learning about melbourne i want to take you to q where we can go to leo's and toscano's for a for a bougie um grocer experience all right, sure, yeah. we'll go, we'll go. Uh, what else, what else? I spent Sunday at Heidi, talking a lot about Heidi on this podcast, I've just realised. Heidi is like a modern art um, museum 
on the on the grounds of where John and Sunday Reed lived from the 30s onwards, uh, major, very famous art patrons. Mm-hmm. And before that, it was a really significant Wurundjeri gathering place. And, mm. um, and now it's open as a gallery space and you can visit like Sunday's garden and you can visit their home, etc. It's really mm. my favourite place in Melbourne, I think. Like it's I really so love beautiful. visiting. It's so beautiful. It was a lovely day there on Sunday. But I went specifically to see the Barbara Hepworth show in Equilibrium. It's the first, like, major show of her work. She was an incredible British artist, like, avant-garde sculptor, essentially, who moved to St Ives in Cornwall and just uh, made these very beautiful large-scale and small sculptures uh, out of stone and wood and um, different kinds of materials. And I really have always really loved her work. Um, But I didn't realise kind of her connection to the Cornish landscape and the like standing stones, etc., which, Mm. as you know, very very my vibe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was just so lovely. I think it's on until March. And if you're in Melbourne, um, highly, highly recommend going to see this absolutely Mm. beautiful show. Yeah, I've been going swimming a lot, laughing at that no jean shorts sign that is oh up at God. Fitzroy Pool every single time I'm there. Just well, like, how many how many times did it happen for them to put the sign up? Exactly, like no jean shorts. I mean, also, who's enforcing it day to day? I feel like wearing jean shorts in the pool, you're kind of punished enough when you go to walk home. <laughs> You know that one of my favourite shows is not ironically at all is Survivor, particularly Survivor Australia, and it started again this week, BL, and it is hugely enjoyable and I implore you to watch to become a Survivor gal. Okay, maybe I'll, maybe this is the moment where I've become a Survivor gal. There's too much of it. I've never known where to start, but I guess I guess this is the place I start. In. Yeah. It's Heroes v. Villains. Okay. Um a lot of people from previous seasons who have come back in this okay. one. So you might not know their backstories, but it really doesn't, like it's not rocket science. It's really fine. You don't need mm-hmm. to have seen them. Mm-hmm. They give you like enough information about each contestant throughout. Um, of course, Ben Lore is in it. So that is very fun to watch. It really is. How is um our Real Housewife alumna, Angelie? She, do you want any spoilers or? Yeah, tell me, tell me. She was the first to go. Oh, thank Christ, because she's fucking unwatchable on television. She was really giving a charm spell massively on this episode. She was trying so hard to kind of fit in and make friends and just be super, super charming to everybody. Mm. Uh, However did not work and was sent home. Oof. Remember her whole thing on um, Real Housewives of Melbourne before she left abruptly mid-season was that she kept bragging about the people she'd interviewed as like a TV yes. host in the UK where she, yeah. she stole her kind of fake accent from and she'd be like, you know, I've interviewed everyone, Kanye West, Kevin Spacey, and just like a list of cancelled men, like – Every time yes. she couldn't think of a name that wasn't someone who's like hugely problematic. Oh, yes. But I wish like Jackie would be on 
Oh Survivor, God. do you think? Uh, I mean, you haven't seen Survivor, but I she'd do imagine great. She would do quite well. Yeah, I think she'd do pretty well. She'd be like, mm-hmm. "There is a what's the little necklace they have to find? An immunity necklace." She'd be like, "There is an immunity necklace around here. I'm fucking psychic. I can feel it." Yeah, she'd be able to find it, wouldn't she? <laughs> she would find it. <laughs> that is. Are they? Where are they filming? Are they filming on like a tropical island? Samoa. What about you, BL? Have you been watching anything? Or Yeah, I also took a little visit to a tropical island on the weekend. I watched the new rom-com. I guess I don't know if it's really a rom-com, but Shotgun Wedding, the new Jennifer Lopez wedding movie, came out on Amazon. It's got like a stacked cast. It's like Darcy Carden plays Cheech of Cheech and Chong's girlfriend. Um Jennifer Coolidge plays Josh Duhamel's mom. And I don't think I've ever seen Josh Duhamel act in anything. Like, I just knew him as husband of Fergie and he was always in shows that I never bothered to watch. He's really great. Really, really pleasant to watch. Pleasant to watch. What a rave review. Uh, And Lenny Kravitz is in it as well, playing Jennifer (laughs) Lopez's ex-boyfriend who like everyone's obsessed with and it's really fun I had like I went on letterboxd afterwards and felt like everyone had watched a different movie to me because people were being so critical of it and I was like babes what did you expect this was like a friggin romp where at one point Jennifer Lopez has to like rip her dress while holding a machine gun and um she's just wearing like a bustier and like a the remains of a tattered wedding dress on the bottom and like her tits look great and she's about to like shoot pirates. It's really fun. I've never I've never heard of this film. Oh really? Like, like literally never <laughs> ever heard of it. Well I the highly cast recommend is wild. it's like I mean, you know, we I've now adopted your phrase of brain in a hammock. It's total like <laughs> put it on ice have a wild time watching Shotgun Wedding and I really loved pairing up the viewing of it with this piece that's been making the rounds on Vulture that Rachel Handler, like queen of the taxonomy article, wrote. It's called An Attempt to Make Sense of the Jennifer Lopez Wedding Industrial Complex Canon and she talks (laughs) about Selena, the wedding planner, enough, uh, the backup plan, Marry Me, My Family, Shotgun Wedding, the cell she's in another wedding movie i guess like like monster in law as well like jennifer lopez as a woman who like has been married or engaged so many times is also like rachel handler kind of makes the case that like she's now as the producer of many of her films she's like sending a message about how she feels about weddings <laughs> If that is your thing, though, like, but it's like, weird... but, but she's not, but that's the, like the movies aren't pro wedding is the interesting thing. Oh, they okay. like, I don't think I've seen a single one of them. Oh, really? So like the wedding planner is like, it's not one of my faves, but like, it's a, it's a bizarre movie because essentially for the rom-com to work, she has to either fuck up her job and she's very good at her job or ruin the wedding that she's planning because she falls in love with the groom, Matthew McConaughey. Mm. Um, 
Rachel Handler kind of makes the case of like planning a wedding turns people into monsters. Being married turns people into like these horrible versions of themselves. Like what does matrimony and like the wedding industrial complex like do to us psychologically, which is like a very fun take on on this theme throughout JLo's career. Yeah, right. Because I was thinking it was more like Nancy Myers kitchens, JLo weddings. So it's not as simplistic as I am making it out to be, which is that's good. All right. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot more there. Also the piece is just like in very Rachel Handler form, like very funny. Okay. All right. Okay. If I had to watch one of them, which one would you suggest? Oh, I I guess I would I mean, Shotgun Wedding just watch anyway, but I think The Wedding Planner because I mean Marry Me is pretty unwatchable. I hated it. Mm-hmm. But The Wedding Planner was great. It was like such a good era for movies and also so many tropes from like what we now look back on as like the golden age of rom-coms exist in in that one specific film yeah do you know what i think maybe the only film i've really seen her in is made in manhattan great movie all right jinxie something that we've both been watching and enjoying kind of grew from i guess our original brain and hammock movie glass onion it's the new ryan johnson mystery series uh starring natasha leone poker face is it a mystery i guess not uh, kind of like a crime caper. Yeah, it's a crime caper. It's a mystery, I suppose. I mean, technically it's a how catch em, which is mm. not a term I was familiar with before <laughs> reading about Poker Face, but it's sort of very much based on the beloved TV series Columbo starring Peter Falk, which was also a how catch em. So essentially it's like the murder happens, the crime happens, we see it, and then we mm. see the air quotes detective trying to work it out putting the pieces together yeah it's not like it's not like the prestige drama series we've come to know where it's like dead woman in episode one and then 12 episodes of you know people figuring out how she died yeah, 12 episodes of torture. Yeah, yeah. no, it's not that. <laughs> the show kind of doesn't feel like of our time in a way because it's not really made for binging at mm. all, which is something I'm loving. It's like a quite a slow, you know, like 55-minute show. Like, yeah, it's so great that you want to watch the next episode and because they released the first four episodes at once, that's pretty much what I did. And I think that's what you did as well. But mm-hmm. it's like a fun show to look forward to each week. Like it doesn't, like you don't, it's not like there is a through line that keeps happening through the show, but each episode acts independently of that as well. Yes, absolutely. And like, I, I never watched Columbo, but I can imagine, like I had the feeling watching the fourth episode of Poker Face that like I could watch this for 20 years like give give Ryan Johnson and Natasha Leone as much money as they want to just keep making this show forever. Yeah, it's a really enjoyable show, like genuine. I was trying to search for a word there to describe it and I couldn't get yeah. anything better than enjoyable, but it's really one of those, like I, it's not the kind of show where 
Like, I don't know. I just, I wasn't looking at my phone. I wasn't cooking. Yep. I wasn't cleaning, you know. Yep. I was just really kind of ensconced in its pacing, I guess. Yeah. It's so stylish too. Like it's beautifully shot, beautifully styled, like costume wise, but like it has a really beautiful like visual language to it. And which is nice because each episode tells like a distinct story with like new characters, new places, new kills. And our through line is Natasha Leone doing her, you know, the, the kind of Philip Marlowe thing that she talked about wanting to do so much in Russian doll that carries through here. Um, this kind of like traveler roaming between all of these like small towns in America where her one big skill is like the thing that gets people's attention. Yeah. She has this gift, this almost kind of psychic or supernatural gift in a way where she knows when something is off so she can spot someone lying. So it doesn't work. She can't see into the future. She's not a soothsayer. But if someone tells a lie, either in front of her or on a video screen, as we kind of learn in the show, she just knows that the vibe's off and she can tell, she can catch someone in a lie. But it's also kind of funny because it's been pointed out in a few reviews that that is not what poker face means. Like, Mm. it's it's like, it's, I don't, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like they couldn't name the show Bullshit Detector because that's essentially (laughs) what she is. Like, we don't – she doesn't have any kind of, like, that's so Raven, like, tremble or, like, her eyes don't (laughs) glaze over or something when her, like, powers are used. We don't even, like – there's not even, like, an audio cue. She just asks people questions or hears them saying something and then says, bullshit. And we go, oh, she knows. (laughs) Yeah, she knows if something is, like, truth or bullshit, but also she doesn't – if it is bullshit, she doesn't know the real response, you know. She doesn't know the real answer. She just knows that it's wrong. And so she gets caught up in a murder very early on in the show of someone she knows and is essentially just on the run. And each small town that she goes to, she has – the habit of, you know, an Agatha Christie, an Inspector Poirot, a Columbo to find whatever murder is about to happen or has just happened in in every single small town she chances upon. It's like it's that kind of classic premise. And you know what? I really like it. It's a classic for a reason. It works. Yeah, it's so fun. And they, they kind of set it up They set it up in episode one where she says, no, it's not like that. No, I can't predict the future. No, I can't do that. It's just very specifically I can tell when someone is lying. And, like, that is just gimmicky enough but not too gimmicky. Like, it's just funny enough without being on the nose or annoying. It's kind of like a more subdued version of what Ryan Johnson wrote in the original Knives Out where Anna de Armas' character throws up if she lies. So she's mm. like her own little lie detector. And it's it's just kind of funny that that's like a through line now, I guess, in his like mystery comedy work is these female characters who are kind of like Pinocchio or something. Like it's really, <laughs> yeah. they're like keeping people accountable or themselves. 
Oh, the life of a woman, am I right? (laughs) uh, (laughs) But Natasha Leon is like, it's like in, and I'll stop talking about Columbo, but I've got to say, I grew up watching Columbo with my grandmother. Like every single sick day I had, it was like you would watch Columbo or Perry Mason or Murder, She Wrote. And sometimes if she would let me, I'd watch Dukes of Hazzard reruns. But also Columbo was where I first heard about cocaine because there was like a murder and there was a woman and it looked like an overdose because Uh she had a deviated septum from cocaine use oh (laughs) and I've tried to find this episode online I cannot find it I'm sure it was Columbo (laughs) anyway but I just remember seeing it and being like wow cocaine sounds interesting (laughs) I want to find out how I can deviate my own septum (laughs) It is a very funny. Cool, it is a very cool ailment because, like, it sounds like you're being rebellious or something. You're a deviant. You're a deviant. <laughs> totally. I would have been like, I don't know, ten or something. Anyway, yeah. I mean, all of those shows really hinge on the performance of the detective, of course, and you really have to kind of love them a little bit. And there is sort of no one more fully charismatic in on TV than Natasha Leon, as we have discussed at length. Mm-hmm. You just love watching her. Yeah, and she's really playing into her, like, Natasha Leoniness in this too. Like, she can't – obviously she can't change that voice and that hair, like all the things that we love about her. Her character also has that kind of – is she gay? Is she not? Like she's kind of like every is able to be like everything and nothing, um, everyone and mm. no one, like rolling into these towns kind of anonymously looking for like the fact that she like doesn't have any money and so needs to kind of like figure out a way to get by in every episode is also like puts her in these predicaments. Yeah, I love the idea that – as soon as you, which he learns in episode two, as soon as you alert the digital world of your presence via using an ATM or something like that, using your SIM code, I guess, that whoever is looking for you will be able to find you within four hours. Mm. <laughs> and then, so it's like that sets up this whole, you know, notion each episode where she has to kind of get some money out or she has to alert somebody or talk to somebody but she knows that as soon as she does it within four hours the people on her tail will be after her so she has to be very conscious of the times when she chooses to do that um yeah it's just this kind of like I don't know it's like this fun premise rolling throughout the show and Natasha Leon does have that kind of faintly mask swagger and Mm -hmm. Of course, the accent, etc. But her the costume design is also mm. really great in this show. The costume designer is Trace Gigi Field, who worked on A League of Their Own, Dead to Me, Barb and mm. Star, Go to Vista Del Mar, one of my favorites. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and you know, there are a couple of good. There's not one really good interview with her out yet, but there are a couple of okay ones. Um, talking about the look she was going for and mm. like she wears this amazing um leather jacket this like Saint Laurent leather jacket and that's kind of like Colombo's famous trench coat mm. and the idea is that she only owns it because she used to have some money at one point in her life and like this is the thing that she bought herself and she kind mm. of wears it like this 
protective armor um and she has the most amazing vintage denim as well oh yeah i think it's episode one where she's got these like perfect dark denim flares and i was trying to kind of get a good look at the stitching on like the butt of them because i was like are they judy rosen new york jeans and i looked on judy rosen's instagram and saw no post about it so i was like i guess not um (laughs) but yeah these perfect perfect flares she really knows how yeah. to, I mean, Trace Gigi Field sounds like knows how to put a woman in a pair of pants because Barb and Star she... <laughs> loved she <sure> him. Does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her look is kind of a little Thelma and Louise, but it's also very like, yeah. I don't know, like Southwestern in vibe. Like there's a mm. lot of like Navajo patterns in what she wears and. A little Luann. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and her uh the trucker caps i'm like not ready f- i'm not re- i know that they're back i'm not ready for it bl but mm. you know she wears right. them she wears them so so well and like in a non-trendy way also those big sunglasses oh my god yeah it's a good it's a very good look yeah. uh, and the whole as you said like it's shot really beautifully so it's a lot of like like it's a lot of it is saying like the desert or in texas and so it's very much like dust particles filtering through the light etc and it's it is it doesn't look i don't know it has like a really nice quality to it that doesn't really Mm -hmm. look like a lot of other streaming shows that are out at the moment Mm. and it's all very like set in it starts in vegas but then goes very quickly to like middle america or texas you know on like dusty highways in the following three episodes. And so there is kind of like a a real charm to like the applying this beautiful visual style to these really like run-of-the-mill kind of everyday locations. Um, yeah, totally. It made me want to rewatch um even Cowgirls Get the Blues and also uh, my own private Idaho. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, double feature double feature i was thinking about even cowgirls get the blues the other day and her big thumbs (laughs) there are some amazing guest stars the show is kind of built for guest appearances people coming in for one episode at a time yeah i mean like it starts really big and bold i mean it's like i don't remember her name bl dyer from dasha palanka Yes, and it was like, oh, great, she's in this because, you know, she was also in Russian Doll and, and like, Adrian Brody and Benjamin Bratt, these, like, you know, big names. Although mm-hmm. Benjamin Bratt, I see him and I just think Miss Congeniality. Of course. That's all I see and that's all I should see. But then by the time you get to the second episode, I was so excited to see Hong Chow in there. I mm-hmm. love her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was recently in, I think she's in The Whale, which I haven't seen yet. She's the best part was, of that movie. Of course she is. She was in The Menu. She was in the new Kelly Reichardt film, Showing Up, that has just oh. come out internationally but um, isn't available in Australia yet. But Hong Chao just has this amazing like range. She plays so many different kinds of characters and they're always kind of, what well, happens in The Whale, but in everything else there's this, like I don't know, element of like swagger and um, intensity. Like mm-hmm. she plays an intense trucker in this, uh, in Poker Face. 
Her name is Marge. I really hope that that is like a reference to Large Marge from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I'm going to go with it if it is. But she's great. And then by episode four, you've got like Chloe Seven. Yeah. All the hits, all the players are here. Like also it's the, the nature of the show means that when these great characters come in, it's kind of sad that we know they're not going to stick around, you know, like mm. she and Marge were such a great little team in episode two and Marge taught her how to super glue like injury wounds closed, which is a skill she carries with her through the rest of the series. There are also some great teen actors in episode two, like um, the kid who works at the mechanic, he plays, um, the Elle Fanning kind of co-star in The Girl from Plainville. And so it's a very similar kind of character to what he's playing here. Creepazoid? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like out, very outcast, sad boy. Um, mm-hmm. Danielle McDonald in episode three, who was so great in Dumplin' and is Australian, but is doing a great Texan accent. And episode three is just so fun because it's set in this, you know, family Texas you know, pit master kind of scene. <laughs> and it's just the detail that she gives a pit master the DVD of the movie Okja. And she's like, I haven't seen the end. And then he watches it and is like, thinks that he's murdering animals and wants to go vegan. It's great. What a great touch. There, are, Like it is just really funny all the way throughout. Yeah, mm. I'm, I'm really enjoying it, BL. Yeah, it's so good. Like even... There's kind of like a an only murders style like murdery podcast plotline in episode four as well, which is quite fun. Also, episode four, Chloe Sevigny's character is in a band, and the guitarist in her band. As soon as he started singing, I was like, "Oh my god, the Mountain Goats!" Mm-hmm. Um, and John Daniel <laughs> did this great interview. With Vulture, I feel like every episode we're referencing great stuff that Vulture is publishing, but no one does it like them. Um, And he kind of gave this interview about like how he came to work with Ryan Johnson. And he like first started out like consulting on who this metal band would be, this like washed up one hit wonder metal band. And he was like, okay, so if they, if they were big enough to have like a big hit in like the early 2000s, they can't really be like a quote unquote metal band. They have to be kind of popular and like accessible in some way. So he like built this whole world of like, who are the other bands that they would know? What would the song have been like? How did it get big at that time? And he wrote this whole backstory for this band that called Doxology in the show. And he said, like, how did they have a hit when metal doesn't chart? They were touring in the early 2000s when TV placements were the big deal. Maybe they had a song on One Tree Hill or the OC. At that time, that was happening to all my friends and not me. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's it's so spot on. It's really catchy as well. Like, yes. I have been singing their stupid songs ever since I saw the episode. <laughs> and Emily Yoshida, from who used to do the Girls in Hoodies podcast with Molly Lambert on Grantland, plays the Murder Girl podcaster, which is a really nice yeah. little touch. Yeah, it's a good, like, little, you know, cameo, like a blink and you'll miss her. It's really great. Mm. And uh, there's, like, in that episode, there's another little kind of cameo, podcast cameo, when some of the characters are being shown, a, a, like, the murder podcast, a couple of 
podcast graphics appear on a screen and one of them the only one that is actually real is you must remember this Karina Longworth's podcast (laughs) and Karina Longworth is of course Ryan Johnson's partner so I thought that was like a cute funny little thing very cute love that supportive husband Yeah, totally. Uh, I read this. I feel like I've read all of the interviews with Natasha Leon, particularly after we kind of covered her in a big episode in for Russian Doll. But I read this new one in Rolling Stone that I found quite interesting because it was really focusing on her performance uh, and also how she like directed and edited herself, etc. In Russian Doll, but how what she's bringing new to this character, and she talks a lot about her voice and how she tries to dial it down a lot. The interviewer also brought up her work in the '90s, and uh, we'll link it in the show notes because I found it really interesting. But mm. she said. Um, She's talking about her and Claire Duvall and she says, in the 90s, I think we were a pair of terrible ingenues. I see these photos of us from when we were teenagers and we're pretty smoke and hot and nobody knew what to do with us. And we didn't know what to do with ourselves. It was just we were weird. They knew it, we knew it, and it felt bad all the time. I think the distortion was maybe there's something broken about our outsides and that really mind fucks you as a young woman. But I think the truth is there was something wrong with our insides, like our insides were too fully loaded to really make sense in these narrow parameters. Weirdly, times have caught up to us. If we were teenagers now, we'd be crushing. We'd be cool kids. This generation really likes an outsider as a main event. Oh. She's really eloquent about speaking about herself and her role and, like, what she's been through, obviously. Mm. Mm. And she's been through quite a lot. But it's true. It's like... I feel like that was almost my issue with Wednesday, the show, because, Mm. like, I don't know, like, the Wednesday thing, it's like she's always been an outsider, but right now Wednesday is so not an outsider. Like, Wednesday is the cool, aspirational, like, teen, you know, like, archetype almost. Absolutely. you know what I mean? Like, of course we've still got, like, the stupid tropes of like you know like the princess etc all the john hughes uh things but the ali sheedy character from breakfast club she'd be the cool one now you know like that's what everyone would be excited about right 100 percent. it's what you're saying is kind of reminding me and this is a not where i thought our natasha leone chat would go but it is reminding me of like in the remake of 21 jump street when channing tatum and jonah hill are having their first day as undercover cops in the high school and they're going in as like Jonah Hill, uncool at school, nerdy, Channing Tatum, hot, buff, very popular. But teenagers have changed so much that like Channing Tatum throws a cup on the ground and is like chastised for littering and like made fun of for wearing his backpack on one shoulder because all of the things that made him cool in like the late eighties, early nineties. And now, you know, Jonah Hill is now the cool one of the two. Yeah, I, I never saw it. I should see it. I should oh, see it. But th- those are two very fun movies. Mm, okay. But anyway, I'll, I'll long, watch... long bow to draw from Natasha <laughs> Leone. Not at all. There is no such thing as a long bow on the See Also podcast. Okay, BL. great. It's all connected. Okay, great. Because but... I have a book to recommend, <laughs> yep. which is the fourth episode, which is all we've watched up to by now, features, as we said, Chloe Sevigny, John Danielle uh, in this 
metal band and their kind of backstory is that the person, their member who is not in the band anymore, who wrote their one hit wonder is no longer in the band. She's selling leggings in the suburbs and they don't see any of the royalties from that song. And there is, there was this great novel from a few years ago that Emma Straub wrote called Modern Lovers. And the premise is that these two couples in like gentrified Brooklyn were in a punk band in their youth in college and their lead singer died but she like the kind of novel picks up as people are trying to buy her life rights to make a film about them and they have to figure out if they're going to sign away their life rights to this biopic and so it really just it reminded me of modern lovers so much which is a book that i really loved oh cool also see also our russian doll episode it had all the links all the interviews Oh, my God. It's exhaustive. Yeah, it was episode eight. It was called Teenage Psychological Brain Damage. So you might want to revisit it if you want more Natasha Leon talk. It's time for Also Also's, the part of our show where we just essentially recommend things to each other, but, you know, to you as well, mostly to each other. My first one this week is an exfoliate also. It's... A mask that is branded as a butt mask, but you make the rules. You don't have to use it on your butt. You can use it on any part of your body. It's by the brand Mega Babe, and I've I've raved about their um, like anti-friction, anti-chafe stick before. But this is like a mask product. It's called the Le Touche Butt Mask, and it's got glycolic acid, malic and azelic acid. I don't know what those second two are as well as like physical exfoliating beads to like resurface your skin on your body. And one of the things that I want to do better this year is to care for the skin on my body as well as I care for the skin on my face. I just finished my second ever tub of this and it's so great. You like slather it on your skin a couple of minutes before you hop in the shower or just before if you're me and you kind of like polish it off in like circular motions and it really does you come out feeling like a beautiful fresh little baby that whole time you were talking all i could hear was terence malik acid <laughs> <laughs> buy this at tree of life no just kidding <laughs> what's your first one jinxie I've also got a beauty also, kind mm-hmm. of. It's a hide also. It's uh, the It Cosmetics Bye Bye Under Eye Concealer. It's vegan. It's cruelty-free. It is, honest to God, the best under eye concealer I have ever tried. And I have tried, I think, all of them. I will never get enough water or sleep to uh, reset the damage that I have done to the bags under my eyes. It's very thick, so you you only use the very smallest amount. Like I'm talking tiny droplet, essentially, Mm. and you warm it up between your fingers and then dab it on, and then I use a sponge to to pop it all all over where it needs to go. Mm -hmm. But I buy it from Adore Beauty online. I've never found it in a store. And this one comes in like a lot, a lot of different skin tones. Mm. But yeah, you only need the tiniest, tiniest amount of it, but it is very good. My next one is a slice also. It's a Japanese bread knife. It's called the Tojiro Bread Slicer. And I bought mine from All Are Welcome Bakery in Northcote. Uh, It was my Christmas gift to myself 
I buy big crusty loaves of sourdough all the time and I didn't think there was anything wrong with my old bread knife until I used this and realized that I had been struggling and using more force than I needed to because um, it's a very, very sharp, beautiful, long Japanese like blade of a bread knife and um, it's gorgeous and I highly recommend. Nothing like a Japanese knife. Nothing Truly, like it. They do it the best. My next one is a subscribe also. It's Emily Gould's new Making It newsletter for New York Magazine or Vulture. Essentially, it's a weekly newsletter from Emily that is about conversations about cash, craft, and compromise is the is the line. Mm. Uh, the first one was with Casey Johnston, the uber cool weightlifting guru who kind of came to prominence during the pandemic and, like, teaching people how to – like lift and build essentially and to focus on different parts of their body. Uh, mm. Very cool. And then the second one that just came out was with Sarah Thankham Matthews, who is an author I am not aware of, but I read it and now immediately want to buy her book, which is about to come out. It's called it's her debut novel called All This Could Be Different. She wrote it in four months, which sends me a specific kind of crazy uh, and she talks about how she did it and um, I don't know Emily has a really direct way of asking questions she's really great at like a confessional profile as well uh, she has a way of you know being empathetic towards the person that she's speaking to but also kind of getting the real tea out of them mm. um, because they're kind of like hitting it off and you can kind of feel that in this particular newsletter Oh, I can't wait to read that. I love anything that's like how people did the thing that they are kind of known for doing. My last one is a listen also. It's kind of a belated one. Um, this is an album that came out in May last year and I've loved it since then, but I'm kind of revisiting it and having a real moment with it all over again. It's Preacher's Daughter by Ethel Kane. Um, this is the record that introduced me to Ethel Kane. I wasn't familiar with her before this. Um, but I like, am so deep in like the mythology and the imagery. She's like gothy Lana Del Rey. Um, I know the Swifties on TikTok are starting to discover Ethel, which I hope means even bigger, greater things for her, although she's kind of really blown up in the last year. Ethel Kane is the um, artistic alter ego of Hayden Anadonia, who's a 24-year-old artist and has done kind of like the substance of every review with her over the last year has been like, who's Ethel and who's Hayden? Like, how are you the same and how are you different? Which she manages to articulate really beautifully every time although I'm sure is probably sick of describing it by now but my favorite way that she described it was um saying in an interview we inhabit the same space at least visually but I'm very different from her I love to laugh and Ethel's dead <laughs> uh, I've got a tally also as my last one it's the TBR bookshelf app it's Ooh. this, I don't know if you know this, this feels like a very BL uh, also, yeah. also, I've got to say. It does. To the point where I was like, has BL done this one already? <laughs> I no, I don't know anything had. about it. 
it's this really great uh, app for your phone where you can enter books into a to-read list and mm-hmm. it has like it accesses this database that has really obscure books in there. I like I immediately tested it with like all of the different Cookie Mueller titles and they were all in there. Oh. Uh, and so you kind of can select them and pull them into this list of like to read and you can keep track of what you're reading and then mark them as read. And there's like one of the windows that you can open is uh, you can set a reading goal for yourself for the year, like how many books you're going to read that year. And then once you mark off the book as read, a spine appears, like the book spine appears in like this little graphic, like a visualization of a library, like of bookshelves. Uh, It helps me. I am a very visual person. It's a very satisfying visual. So I was very pleased. I just... uh, added the book that I just finished that I believe we're going to talk about next week. Uh, we all want impossible things by Catherine Newman. And I added it, I marked it as red and it suddenly appeared on my bookshelf. Uh, you know, it's like that kind of satisfying crossing something off. Feeling. Gorge. So now you can see them on your physical and virtual bookshelves. Yeah, it's cute. I like it. Thank you for listening to another episode of See Also. If you could take a second to pop over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a five-star rating, it takes two seconds. Or if you've got time, write a little review about what you like about the podcast. And maybe, I don't know, just just thinking out loud here, pop over to Instagram at See Also Podcast. Share this episode with your friends and tell them what you love about it. Mm-hmm. And that is the best way to get in touch with us as well via Instagram at See Also Podcast. Thank you so much, as ever, to Harvey Sutherland for our theme song and Samuel Hodge for our imagery. See ya and be I'll have a great time in Sydney. Oh my God. Thank you. I'm going to relax so hard, like it's my full time job. Beautiful. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.